Welcome to the Joy Podcast, another episode where we talk about the issues that truly matter for the spirit, the soul, and the heart. We talk about kindness and empathy and compassion and love and peace and altruism. My guest today will simply call Beauty. She runs a platform called I Don't Hide My Scars. And it has such an incredible story that I've been so excited. I've been looking forward to having her on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Right. I was joking before we started that you're always ready. <laughs> you're always ready. Like, even when you're talking, you know, you pick your words. Your words are, you know, thought through and deliberate. You know, it is, it is. You know that, don't you? Yes, I do. Is that I, something? I, I keep telling people I was born ready. <laughs> I was born ready. Why, why, why? Did something. So, I mean, is there any particular reason why you are like this? Is there any. Have you always been like this since when you were a child? No. Right. So. Um, I grew up in this environment where my spirit was pretty dampened. Mm. Um, I did not have loving parents. Um, I have to be father and mother to my own father and mother and mm. to my siblings as well. That's so yes, yeah, so it was a lot of responsibility for me even at that young age. You know, it wasn't like my father was out of the job; mm. he just never cared. You mm. know, which is actually worse, isn't it? Yes, it is so much worse because I kept feeling like maybe there was something I could have done that mm. I wasn't doing that mm. made him not like me. Mm. Mm. You know. And then he used to hit my mother a lot. You know, some of the earliest memories I have are of waking up to see my mother in pain or waking up because I was hearing them scream like 4 a.m. in the morning and they'll be screaming at each other. And it was horrible. You know, I used to hide under the bed. And then my father had this, my father was a Christian. <laughs> So it had this very big pulpit mm. and I used to go to hide behind it when they started fighting. Right. You know. So wait, so had is a fight. So you had the pulpit at home? Yes, yes. We did morning devotion every day. Wow. And yeah. yet this was such an oppressive environment. Yes, it was. It was it was truly horrible. So apart from the beating, you know, it was beating my mother. Wow. And my mother Sorry, you know, I can't wrap my head. Anyway, we're going to come back to that. Your mother, yes, go ahead. And my mother is, uh, I think it's, I, I don't think she's a bad person. Mm-hmm. I think she was just born into this generation where anything went for women. Right. You know, a society where you you were not uh, you were not qualified to be a woman if your home wasn't put together mm-hmm. and you had to just smile through everything and be happy whether or not you were truly happy. Yeah. So. There's so many of those around. And so she just kept, my father would finish beating her, she'd have injuries and she'd wear her best long sleeve dress to church to give tithes and offering, you know. And, and he would preach. Oh yes, you know. And I grew up watching almost everybody that had issues kept coming to my parents to advise them. And in my heart I was like, okay, <laughs> it was, it was such a horrible up. thing, it was such a horrible thing. And then at some point, my father graduated from beating my mother to beating me and my siblings. They beat us for everything, every single thing. I was 13 when I first tried to commit suicide. Yeah. He beat us for every single reason, you know. 
one time you told me my nose was too big. <laughs> what? Yeah. You said my nose was too big. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so we continue. I'm like, I, my <laughs> questions are going through my mind. Okay, so you said my nose was too big. And I can't remember what my response was. Yeah. And then it beats, beats you for that. that. You know, and one time because rice wow. didn't get ready as I when you wanted it ready. You know, so it beat me for all the most. All the craziest reasons, you know, and then you wanted to start beating my siblings as well. And I wasn't the eldest. It beat my eldest brother to the point where my eldest brother developed mental issues. You know, we. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, when they started taking him from one spiritualist to another, this is a Christian. And it would take my brother to herbalist and native doctors and everything and church to church as well. And eventually someone suggested they take him to a doctor. So they took him to a doctor. And right there the doctor said, did he have any, was was his head constantly in contact with any heart surface? Uh, so, so this was obviously yes. Yes, it was obviously yes. So, and my parents looked at each other. And my mom said no. My father didn't even say a word. My mom said no. And I was sitting there wondering, come on, this man hits your son every day right in front of you. You know, it was horrible. Wow. It was horrible. And then the sexual abuse started. And. Wait, sexual Wait, from who? From your dad? My father, yes. My so father abused Between your mom. Beating you guys, insulting your physical appearance. Mm-hmm. He's also a pastor. Mm-hmm. That your father also was abusing you sexually. Yes. Yes, my father abused me. Before I even knew what abuse was. What? I'm not really sure how long the abuse must have gone on. But I think when I first realized was I was about twelve. What? Yeah, when I first realized that it was abused so but it must have gone on for far longer than that, that. that this was when your memory yes, now but this was when i could uh, because i was relating oh with other girls my age you know oh and that was when i started realizing that something was wrong with the way my father related with me people kept saying i was his favorite child they just never understood why i didn't want to be alone with him you know, he used to buy me, uh, there was this thing we called goody goody. Yeah, of course. I know <laughs> so he used to buy me goody goody all the time, you know. And this was somebody, he never dropped money for anybody. So he still beat me, but he used to buy me goody goody, you know. So, and everybody was, ah, she's a father's favorite child. So, <laughs> but it wasn't like that. I, I kept trying to tell my mom. My mom was only ever into places. She was either at work or in, in church. church. She was at some point. I just felt like she was never home. You know, even when she was home, she was distant. So I kept trying to tell somebody that didn't want to listen to me. Hmm. You know, I'll start up the conversation and for some reason, she'll just dive back to something else. Hey, what did pastor preach today? Did you get it? So, <laughs> I just never got a chance to tell her. And I didn't realize she knew what was going on about the abuse and everything. I got to know last year. Okay, we are in 2018, so I got to know in 2016. 2016. She knew. Yes, she knew. 
So that means that that's what she was deliberately not wanting to hear. Yes, she, she, she probably didn't want a reminder. So what I got to realize was she knew all along and she kept covering it up because of what would people say, you know, just the typical African mentality, just hush it up and cover it up and everything is fine as long as I don't talk about it. So that was the kind of family I was born into. Wow, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> okay, so first, wait, so I, I'm not sure you'd finished. So that, yeah. so, yes. So that's the kind of family I was born into. Yeah. So I started working as well when I was, say, 11, 12. Can't remember exactly. Why were you working? I was a house help. Why? Why were you doing that? You refused um, to. No, because one time my father beat my mother so much, she ended up in the hospital. And before that, anytime my father beat my mother, she would tell all the relatives that she fell down the stairs or she slipped in the shower or something. She just tell them something. So, and when I tried to tell them my father was beating her, she would say, I don't mind, she's such a small girl. And they'll just laugh it off. So, that particular time, he beat her, she ended up in the hospital. So, I was looking for money. So, I looked for money. Went for to money my... to treat her? Yes. So, wait, wait, okay, this is, okay, my, okay, my mind is dying here. Wait, so after beating her, she lied in the hospital, he didn't take responsibility? No. <laughs> when he asked my father to bring money, I can never forget. That was the first and last time he ever gave us money. Guess how much he brought out? Um. Try. 250 naira. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 250 naira. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. this is Okay, alright. So, about 159, so I was looking for Find where to get money. You know, I even went to one woman close to her house. She used to sell biscuits and drinks. So, I went to her and told her to give me the biscuits and drinks. So, when I sell, I'll take my gain and give her. So, she gave me. And I went to one, I went to relatives to ask for money, of course. You went to where? My relatives to ask for money. Yeah. So, some of them were like, uh, is it not this Ogbanje girl that is always lying against her mother and father? You know, things like that. <laughs> then there was one man, one of my uncles, that agreed to help me. Please don't. Okay. Yes, I'm about to say it. There's one of my uncles that agreed to help me. Married man, three kids. So he said, I should come and pick the money at his house and so 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 dates. So, on that day, I dressed up and went to his house and he said, oh, the money's in my room. Just go into the room and pick it up. And I entered the room and I had the door slammed behind me. And he legit started telling me, oh, do you know how beautiful you are? And you're going up so fast and things like that. Oh my God. Yes. Are you a 13 or 12 at the time? Yeah. 12, 13, no more than that. So, they're telling me all that. And I was like, please, I don't have time to talk. My mom is in the hospital. I need this money. Like, yeah, well, give me the money. I'm going up. Don't I know what he wants at this stage? So, I started begging him. Please, please, please. I begged and begged and begged. He just never listened. It was like this man was possessed. And I begged and begged and begged and begged. And he forced himself on me. Oh my God. Yes. I was screaming and crying. Um, I think at some point during when he was having his way with me, the wife came in and saw him on me. 
and she didn't do anything to the man she didn't talk to him she pounced on me she started beating me i was almost dead at that point she started beating me she beat me so much and after beating me they called family meeting and of course because they stigmatize you as your band oh game. yeah so they called family meeting in which my father was present and right in the presence of my father they said <laughs> They said they caught me sleeping with him and I tried to explain that it wasn't even that way and it was hey shut up shut up shut up from every angle and then the man actually told them that I was the one that tried to seduce him and I opened my pants for him and they agreed right in the presence of my father to send me to worry to be a house help yes I still don't understand why my father accepted that. Maybe he wanted me a way to save himself. I don't understand. So I went to worry. <laughs> I was a house help. It was crazy. I was in that house, this woman and her sons. And at some point doing being a house help, my clothes actually wore out. And I was wearing hand-me-downs for my boys. And I was doing everything. At cook, I wouldn't eat, you know, a typical household story in Nigeria. And it was such a horrible way to live. And then I think I turned 14 there. And at some point, the husband would abuse me, the sons would abuse me. So when I got pregnant, I did not even know who was responsible. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, okay. so my life was such a mess. My life was such a mess. I didn't mention before this time when I got pregnant for those people, uh, my father had already impregnated me. So the first time he took me to one quack, it was a shock. You know, the man was literally sleeping on the same bed where he did the operations, the abortions. So. And I remember not wanting to do that. My father forced my leg open and I was there with him. And my mother kept telling everybody I traveled with my father. So, and the second time I was pregnant, I don't remember what happened or what I did, but my father in a fit of anger pushed me down the stairs and I lost the baby. So then it was right after that I went to worry. What? <laughs> so I, was, I, was, I was pregnant at a time where most girls of my age then would still feel like babies fell from the sky. Oh. Yes, I was already pregnant. I did not oh even know what pregnancy meant. Oh my god. So, oh my god. so yeah, I was in worry oh and I was being a house help. And it was horrible. It was horrible. I don't want to talk about all the things that happened to me in worry because we're not live here today. <laughs> then at some point, when it got too much, I couldn't take it anymore. I ran away from worry. That was okay. I think they had forced me to abort the baby already. I ran away from worry. When I followed all those trailers that carry merchandise, so it was really risky. So I managed to go back home. It was, I didn't stay at home up to 48 hours. They bundled me again to Port Harcourt. So I went to Port Harcourt. Was the, <sighs> Jesus. So I went to Port Harcourt. I was staying with this woman, and she wasn't wicked, wicked, because she was young. 
So um, I could talk to her sometimes. So I felt like I was finally getting respite and I was getting a friend I could lean on and everything. She was, she sold bread in the morning and in the afternoon time she sold oranges. So when I moved in with her, I had to legit 4 a.m. in the morning, I was up already, off to the bakery. So I'll wait till they open at 5, then I'll get the bread, I'll put the bread on the tray, I'll, I'll go to. I'll go to the motor park and I'll hold the bread there. And as soon as I had to finish the bread, I didn't finish the bread, I was in trouble. I wouldn't eat the whole day. So, sorry, so when you said that this one wasn't wicked, so essentially you have this, you been exposed to such wickedness. Exactly. That so on she the wasn't scale of this, this woman was. No, she wasn't even wicked. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's. Oh, Jesus. So, so I'll carry the bread. I had to finish it unless. I was, was trouble. Yes. I wouldn't eat the whole day. And as soon as it was 12, I had to start rushing back to the house to carry the oranges and pork. For the evening? Yes. So I had pork oranges and I had to exhaust the old oranges on the tray. So on one of these occasions, there was one particular uncompleted building I hated to pass. Because it, it felt like, you know, all these buildings in movies were like this land of no return. That's what my young heart felt at that time. So I always, whenever I was passing by, I'll just really start walking fast. So, but on this occasion, somebody called me from there. An orange girl, I will never forget. So, orange girl, I wanted to just pass my girl. But I looked at the time, I was getting to maybe six, seven, and I hadn't finished my oranges that day. So, because of fear, I went to that computer building I didn't want to go to. So I went there, met this man, really horrible looking man, <laughs> you know, and he said I should sell oranges to him. At that time, I can't remember how much I was selling, maybe 10 10 there. So he said 325, you know how they do it. He said 325, I said no, 10 10 there, I said 325, okay, and I said okay, this woman, she will kill me if I don't finish this orange. So I said okay. So I bent down to pick the oranges for him and he touched my bum. I was like, why would you, you know, trying to defend myself and everything. I better not touch my bum bum again. Like, what did we do for your bum bum self, you know, got, became really bad. Started trying to touch other parts of my body, so I was really struggling and my oranges self, I don't even know how I scattered the tree and the guy started pulling me like right inside the uncomputer building that I was really screaming I was screaming, I was screaming my head off then two other guys started approaching so I thought like oh this ones they are going to help me definitely you know so only for them to join the guy to pull me so no this can't yeah so they pulled me into that uncomputer building and that day eight guys had their way with oh me oh my god Oh yes. My oh my so, eight guys, and I remember just wanting to die after that. So when they were done, yeah, when when they were done, they were like threatening me not to tell anybody unless they come after me and everything. 
So the clothes I wore, I wasn't a virgin, but because there were so many and I was so young, so I was bleeding and I was limping. And I remember getting to the house and I just said, I was debating with myself whether to tell her or not. I knew by told that she was going to blame me. So what I did was I carried my clothes, tied it in a waterproof bag and I bought it. So, and that was it. I never told her anything. At some point, she had some suitors, and one of them started picking interest in me. He said he wanted to sponsor me into school, and was going to be responsible for me. So she was angry that why would a suitor want to help me? That it's like I started sleeping with someone that was again married to her. How old were you at this time? Hey, 1415. Are these all mad people? Like, I don't get it. You were mad. You <laughs> were mad. So, 1415. And say as it was, I was sleeping with as it was. That's why, because why would a guy just want to sponsor a girl in school that he knew nothing about? So she bundled me back to my parents. So my parents were going to ship me off again and extend them. I wasn't going anywhere. So my father was so angry. My mother was like, you know what? Hey, you, um, what did she call me again? Evil child. That was I always brought bad luck to the family. And Blah 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 blah. That won't I go, won't I go. So they frustrated me. I said I wasn't going. So as at the time I got back home after this, my siblings were scattered everywhere. My eldest brother, they are taking him to one church and tied him up and said they were beating out the evil spirits from here. The other one, immediately elder, it was out of home. Like I had no idea where he even went to. And I was the third, and my younger sister was off being a household for someone, and it was just the last one that was in the house, and it was so sick. And I didn't know what to do, where to start from. I didn't know where to go to gather my siblings together. So I didn't even have my siblings love. We were siblings, but we're more like strangers because by the time I got back, we did not even, I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know, I'm literally not forgotten now, but I couldn't even remember what, for example, my younger sister looks like when she smiled. So it was like that. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where stuff them. My youngest brother was sick. And my father wasn't doing anything. And my mother wanted to take him to church. And I said no. So I went about looking for money. I did several things then. I did several things. I hoped. I did several things. I was already used to fucking, of course. So I hoped pure water, biscuits, sweets, you know. The woman I had gone to serve in Warri was a caterer, I knew how to cook. So I think I was one of the first people that stayed hawking and were going in that area. So I did every single thing. So eventually I got some money, took my brother to the hospital. They said it wasn't even that serious. I, I think it was typhoid. So it wasn't even that serious. So my brother would have died for something that wasn't that serious. And my mother had money to go and give to church for Titan offerings. Okay, so yeah, took my brother to the hospital. It wasn't so it was just typhoid. They prescribed some drugs, got him the drugs, and started getting better. So 
it was like my father was waiting for me to come back. <laughs> so immediately I came back. When I got back, my mother said he used to come. So he'll stay for maybe a day. Then he'll disappear for the next one week. Then he'll come again, stay a day. So that's what he was doing. So it was like he was waiting for me to come back. No matter I came back, he started staying home off. And of course my mother started disappearing off. So the abuse resumed. So I kept trying to tell people. I started having really bad nightmares. It was so bad. I couldn't sleep. Every night I'll be scared to shut my eyes because I didn't want to go to I, I didn't want to dream. I didn't want to sleep. No. I was so afraid of my dreams. It was like I was reliving every single thing that and my parents had no idea what happened to me in all those places that they shipped me off to. And they didn't care. Oh of course. Even if they cared, would I have been able to tell them? At that mm. point I'd lost all the respect I had for them. So I don't know if I would have told them so even if they cared. My mother never asked me questions. You know, over the years as I've grown, I've, I've seen relationships, you know, parents' relationships. And I've not only craved it, but I have, I've told myself, you know what, I'm going to be the best mother to my children. But I didn't have that with my family, you know. So what I did was, because I knew that my youngest brother was already lacking motherly love and fatherly love, so I did my best to be there for him as much as I could. So it was out of school as at the time I got back home. I enrolled him back in school. So I did when ushering jobs first became popular, I started doing ushering jobs and everything. So it was doing my hawking, stroke ushering, stroke all the many many things I was doing that I met this woman. Uh, everybody called her Madame Star. So I met Madam Star, she was amazing. You know, it was first with her that I realized that motherhood wasn't what my mother had showed me. Mm. She was really good to me, mm. really, really good. She used to travel abroad and come back and buy the whole world for me. <laughs> you know, she was the first person that gave me chocolate. <laughs> the first person that gave me yogurt and all that stuff, you know. Which shouldn't be big stuff anyway, but it was big because my, it was my first time. So, I really loved her so much. And she said I could start calling her mommy. So I started calling her mommy. Then she started telling me, she traveled, then she came back. Um, at this point she was really helping so my family was a bit stabilized so she enrolled my sister in boarding school as well she brought my sister back and all them boarding school so things were a bit better so and i trusted her with everything i loved her so much so she started talking about a place where i could dance oh besides dancing has always been my talent um, Okay, I don't know if I'm still good at it, but I was very good at it. So she started me of this place where I could dance, and I could earn as much as $10,000 per night, and it was just dancing. So I was wondering, I don't understand. <laughs> so I would just start dancing, and people would give me $10,000 per night. I don't understand. So I wasn't keen on it because I did not know I was used to struggling for every single thing I had so it when she said too. yeah it sounded too good to be true so I don't want to do it then she started coming to my house my parents just fell in love with her because she was always giving them money Thanks. so my parents just fell in love with that so she told them that ah there's this place where I would dance and they would pay me as much as $10,000 per night and my mother said I should go 
Of course. Of course. So, I said no. You, I wasn't saying no then, Sharp, because I didn't want to dance. But because I wanted to really spike my parents, mm. I stood my guy and said no, I wasn't dancing. So, <laughs> so it was always not too well because they kept trying to frustrate me. But at least I stood my ground and said I wasn't dancing. Then I did work, cleared my papers. I did jam, cleared my papers. Did post jam, got the admission, no money to go to school. And I started thinking, maybe dancing will not be such a bad idea. So I went back to her and told her that okay, that I was going to try the dancing and she was so happy. She took me out to the best boutiques, bought me almost everything in the boutique, you know, like literally changed my life within two days. Yes, I was really happy. Ah, yes, this woman, she's really good. My parents were really hyping her and everything. Then she told my parents that she wanted me to come and live with her. So I can't remember how much exactly she gave them, but it was more than 500k. At that time, it was a lot of money. You needed to see the way my father was healing me. Now you are my daughter. <laughs> you know, it was really healing me. And my mother was so happy. I've never seen her that happy. I said, okay, well, my parents love me now all of a sudden. So, okay, person isn't such a bad idea. So she gave them that money and then she took me with her to stay with her. I was with her for about a week. Then next thing, she, when I was with her, she treated me well. She treated me really well. Told me she was going to enroll me in school and everything. Then at some point, she said we needed to travel to Benin. So that was the first time I got on a flight in my life. Booked a flight, traveled to Benin. But it wasn't Benin we went, it was somewhere in Edo State. Like one really thick jungle and we're just going and going and going and going. I was like there was no end and at the end we got to this really horribly built compound. And the person she said was her friend wasn't her friend at all, it was a herbalist. <gasps> Oh my god. So I was there with oh her. She kept yeah, she kept trying to calm me down and say, Oh, it's just my face of fortification that the world is a wicked world. If I really want to be a daughter, I should just do it. So I was there, then one other woman brought two hefty guys and like six other five other girls with her and handed her over to Madame Star. You know, so I was there with the other girls and they made us they said we should start chanting some incantations after the guy. So how old do you have this time? Yeah, I think I was 16 now. So you're not yet 18. What no, of this happened? I was 18. I think I was 16. Did you stroke 16? So at the harvest. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he said we should start. He said, like, I said we were speaking in tongues. I thought I was repeating after him. So the other girls were repeating, like, I mean, I was at this one. So I was chanting a poem under my breath. I will never forget. I was chanting old Roger. Old Roger is dead. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that. You know, because I was really scared. You know, and it wasn't normal. It wasn't logical. <laughs> I don't know if it was God. I don't know. I was just chanting old Roger under my breath. You know, after we're done with the incantation, we made some incisions on our bodies. 
so made the incisions and told us that now we're fortified and that we are all sisters in the group uh, we have to protect our sisters at all costs I must never tell anybody about Madame Stan what she does and if we told anybody we're going to die so that was where I lived out okay I am in trouble <laughs> I made some incisions on her back you know and then came back to Lagos the moment I came back to Lagos and I'm start told me I couldn't stay with her anymore. And I shouldn't call her mommy anymore. I should call her Madam Star. So mm -hmm. the place where she said we're going to dance turned out to be a strip club. So that was how I became a stripper. Yes. So and the most amazing thing. Mm -hmm, I wasn't even 16 yet. I wasn't quite 16. I think I still had two months to 16. Two or three months to 16. And the most amazing thing was when the guys came, they would say they wanted fresh blood. And they didn't want mature girls. So was this was in Lagos. Of course, Lagos, Jerry. Oh, so, so guys would come to the club. Oh of course. And these were not just any guys who we had politicians and commissioners of police and so it was like a whole ring. They would come, they would say they did not want older girls, they wanted fresh blood. So we had girls as, I was even old, we had girls as young as 12, 11, you know, and we're stripping and pleasuring men. And the times when I had, I watched my friend die, you know, we're all initiated together and she just was a rebel. They changed their names, that was when I got the name Beauty. So, and then she named somebody star. She just named us different names, got us passports and everything. And we have protection. If you see the house, oh god, it was so fine. So, <laughs> named us, gave us new identities. So, if we died, nobody would have get, and nobody would have missed us. My parents were greedy people. You know, it was at that time I got to know that the money she gave them was to buy, buy me. Yeah. to buy actually yes to buy you so and, and they were so willing to oh they were so happy so every time i tried to leave initially she kept telling me that okay the money she gave my parents i have to work and, and make that money and pay her back before i can leave <laughs> then later it became that ah you know so much of my secret so you cannot even leave if you leave i would find you and she's a woman in labor Oh yeah, she's in Lagos and she travels to Abuja almost every other day and she's always everywhere. And if I call her name now, you know her. But I can't call her name because she will find me. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So we stripped. My friend Ayo. That's the one that passed on. Yes, she died. How she died was horrible. When she came in, she kept saying she couldn't strip, she couldn't sleep with guys, that body is the temple of God. The other girls kept trying to tell her, do this thing, madam will punish you. She said, no, that God will keep her, God will protect her. So one day she just got really angry. There was a guy that came in specifically requested for Ayo. Because if you see, if you had seen her, she was so beautiful, so beautiful. And he said he had to be a young nobody else. You know, Madame Star tried to offer him other people. She said he wasn't having it. It was Ayo or nobody. 
So Ayol kept saying no, she wasn't. Eventually, Madame forced her to go with the guy. The guy said she wasn't willing and he couldn't do anything and all that. His conscience would let him. So the guy left. So Madame lost a lot of money from that guy. So she was so livid. I don't think, apart from my father, I had ever seen anybody that livid before. So she just came. Hey, you! <laughs> she, she has um, security guys, halogen and everything. So, hey, you, go and bring Ayo here for me. So, what's Ayo? This was somebody, when I first got in, I refused to eat. She was always sneaking in her food for me. Like, That's Ayo? Yes. She was always sneaking in her food for me, you know. She kept telling me, you know what, beauty, you can't die now. You know what? I know you want to die, but you can't die now. I did not know why she was saying that because I didn't understand. And so it was really, I, I, I was shaking. It was bad. So they dragged that in. And my dad said, hey, all of you, you probably be looking for a girl to pleasure you because we weren't allowed to sleep with the security guys. Wait, Madame took this girl, I Yes. To the where the security guys were. No, like right in front where we strip. Now. Yes. It's like a big hall. Right. So she brings her so to the middle of the hall. So she brings her to the middle of the hall and tells the guys to strip her and do whatever they wanted to do with her. So we're literally watching guys. No, they weren't doing it like one after the other. So like three guys would rush at once. And it was horrible. And we're shaking, the new girls were all shaking and crying and begging. So by this time you had been in this place for how long? Say three, four months. Right, but you were, okay, you were the new girls. Yes, we're the Because we were just the new set. Yes, we're still the new girls. How about how many were you? Uh, as at the time, we were in the ritualist, the Papalawos place, we were about seven, including me. And when we got to this place, there were more than 40 girls. Already there? Yes. So more than 40. So she tells these guys to, to, yeah, to attack to, this yes, girl. to do whatever they wanted to do. They literally stripped her. Oh we were hitting her. We was forcing him to give her a blowjob. Another was doing anal sex. Another was... Oh my God. God, it was horrible. And this girl, I was much older than her. I was much what? older. You were much. You were sixteen. Yes. You were fifteen. I was fifteen Almost plus. sixteen, and you yes, were much, and I was older, much older than Ayo. Yes, Ayo couldn't have been more than thirteen. Okay, no. Okay, okay. So I was much older. Okay, this this is okay. I feel like okay. All right, so, this is this. Is, this is so okay. yes, so um, when they were done, we wanted to leave because we couldn't stand it. We were crying and shaking, and Madame just. She told us if we left, we would join her there. She wanted you to see what was yes, happening and be afraid. You know, so and it worked. You know, of course. So when they were done, they just left her there in the middle of the floor. So, like a few of us oh my new God, girls. I'm so sorry, beauty. It's okay. So a few of us new girls, we just carried our friend. I was sitting there with her. I kept talking to her and trying to like get her to talk back to us and she was so weak like she was so weak and <laughs> you're just there talking to her trying to get her to calm and everything and sitting there and she passed right in her arms and they didn't give her medical attention or anything it was horrible it was horrible. Oh my God. 
So for a long time, even if any of us wanted to leave, because of that fear, so we just stayed. So after that, at some point also I got punished. I just think that God gave me a really strong spirit. Oh yeah, and I hated God so much because hmm. of course my father was a God person yeah, and my mother was a God person so and I had so many. Yeah, I had pastors coming to the strip clubs. <laughs> okay. Of course. Okay. But because of, even when I tried to run away, one of my first experiences was the church I went to, an associate pastor. There was somebody I met in the strip, in the strip club. club. Exactly. So I hated God. I despised. Hate is a hate is a loud word. I despised God. So that's why my journey through faith it's such a big thing for me. That's why I'm so excited and I. I didn't think I'd be this God person because I despised God. You had the Jesus so cap much. on. Yes, and it's so. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You know, because <laughs> I despise God so much. You know, I was even thinking, okay, maybe we had protected Ayo. It was, you know, been better for me. But I should die right now. I'm like, this was somebody that kept saying, you know what? I trust my God. My body is a temple yes. of God. And you could see that she loved God so mm. much. So I had so many questions. I was so mad at God. So mad. I was so mad. They also were there dancing, dancing, dancing. One time I almost got used for rituals. <laughs> a politician had come. It was about running for office. So he came and said he wanted a couple of girls. His friends were around and wanted a couple of girls. So he took, he said, uh, Madam gave me older girls. He said, No, you want older girls. So it was from 17 and below he wanted. They just packed all of us, went to his house. That beautiful big house in Lekki. So we're there. So he now said, he went in with his friends, left us there, and um, gave us refreshments and all. So the girls were really happy, like, yay, I don't have ma. <laughs> like the guy would settle them and everything. Uh, so the guy said, okay, that uh, we'll start coming in one after the other. He didn't want us all at once because he couldn't handle us all at once. So. <laughs> The girls were really hustling to people who would go in first. So, first one went in and she didn't come out. What? Yeah, and we thought we're, they were enjoying, she was enjoying herself and so she had gotten so carried away. So, I called for the second one. Second one went in. Call for the third person. Third person went in. Now, I started feeling pressed. I needed to use the restroom urgently. So, I just left the remaining two girls there. So, you know what? I'm going to the restroom. Uh, so, I, I was going from room to room to look for a place because the guys just left us there and I didn't know who to ask so as I was going from room to room I know like somebody's bedroom but I had a restroom in there it was open so I saw a bag they just dumped there so it was awkwardly shaped I didn't mind so I, I was really impressed so I just entered the restroom not up to say 40 seconds after I entered I was about to remember I just said ah that last one she really struggled though, but ah, last last we do what we want to so I just I don't know why he said normally me I'll come out and out are you guys ah, let me just go yeah and maybe they would have killed me because they were talking about my colleagues that went in that they had killed you know, so I listened. Yeah, ah, that one she struggled. Oh, I bet me would dump this bag, we'll go through her for lagoon before morning come and things like that. 
So they just dumped the bag there and left the room. I came out. I still wasn't sure. I felt like my ear was playing tricks on me. I came out, opened the first bag. They had literally cut her into pieces. Oh my god! And all I could see was her head. I wanted to scream. I don't know what helped me. I just came out. As at the time I came out, the other two girls I left there, one had gone in. So the other one was drunk already. She was drunk. So I kept trying to drag her, please let's go. And she was trying to make noise and everything. So I just, because I was really, I just couldn't wait for her. I just left her there. I stepped running. All I had was my phone. I didn't even have money. So the get man said I should bribe him. So I just gave him the phone. My Samsung phone there. I just gave him the phone. He opened the gate. Immediately opened the gate. I just started running. I didn't know where I was running to. I just started running. I ran so much. Um, after that experience, I didn't go back to the house for two days. Um, I thought maybe I could survive on my own and everything. Um, I didn't call my family because I knew she would track me there. I tried to go there. After hunger dealt with me for those two days, nobody told me to go back. <laughs> so I went back, and that's something she prides herself on. She told you that, eh, go, no problem, go, go. And you'll come back after some days because you'll find out that nobody will quite accept you into the world as damaged and as broken as you are. And she was right because I did try to um, make friends sometimes. And they'll just look at me and go, oh, this one that is awkwardly, horribly dressed like a prostitute. This is the one I want to talk to, you know. Or that time I went to church and the pastor said, okay, he wanted to marry me. And hmm? yes, that he would send me abroad and I never needed to worry about her. If I was scared, she would find me. He will make sure. I thought it was real. I was happy that finally I was getting saved and everything. He said I should bring all the money I was hiding because I told him I'd been hiding some money. So he said I should bring all the money I was hiding. So I went to all the tips that because some customers gave us tips. Weren't allowed to keep any money normally. So I literally mixed punishments to keep those monies. So I was keeping them because I really wanted to escape. So I saved all the money said I should bring it to help me get this and everything and escape. Gave him all the money. Uh, not up to three days. He was at our house. I was discussing with Madame Star. I thought maybe okay, he came to discuss the terms of my release and maybe she would listen. He said lie. He came to tell her that I was planning to run away. She called me right in his presence and told me, have I not warned you about these Christian people? In front of him? Yeah, in front of him. And he was so ashamed. Like I could literally see he was ashamed. I felt so bad as well. So for <laughs> she felt bad for him. Yeah, I felt bad for him. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I felt bad for him. Oh my god. So, like, she really embarrassed him. Like, told him, I've I not warned you about this Christian. So, why did he come to her? Uh, don't know. I don't know. My goodness. It was bad. So, the ritual thing, I went back. So, that time, she showed me so much love. As at that time, she called the politician and insulted him so much. Told him that she would make sure he loses the election. And he told her that he would make sure that he ruins her. Because these are some of the people that she's 
quite untouchable. You know, they make her quite untouchable because she knows almost everybody. So, thought that you'd ruin her. She told him she would make him lose the elections. Eh, I think she won because he lost the elections. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. He lost the elections. <laughs> so, yeah. So you saw that him all the So you came to take girls for me. I even see that. No, that time she was really pampering me. So I thought, okay, this woman has changed. So like she hadn't changed. After like a week, we reverted back to the normal, <laughs> Madame And yeah, I tried to run away then. The guy, the pastor, just messed it up. After that, um, if you got pregnant in the house, you had three options. You either aborted before she realized you were pregnant, or you kept the baby. And if it was a boy, they would give him away. All this couple looking for children. Uh, if it's a girl, you watch her go <laughs> and become like you. So most of us chose abortions. Then I'd had too many abortions at that point. And I was just, I was tired. And the other lady told me that if you do this one, you know what, you don't have a womb anymore after this one. Just know that you're going to be childless for the rest of your life. So I wanted to keep that one. So I stepped like to run away again. So you were pregnant? Yeah, I was pregnant. And then you wanted to run away? Yeah, I wanted to run away. Yeah, because I had enough of another, but this was another breaking point. So I was just like, you know what? I want to run away. Let me even keep this one because I was tired of losing children. Let me just keep this one. Hey, how old was I again? I think I was nearing 18 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know how she knew I was pregnant. She called me one day and she said, I know you're pregnant. I tried to deny. She said, No, she for sure was pregnant. I, and I confessed. I said, okay, that I should not about it. I said, ma, so I should not about it. That she will be there for me. That she's sorry but for me. But you already decided not to abort this baby. Yes, I already decided. But you were shocked at her at her. Yeah, she was really concerned. Concern. Like you know, she was acting like a real mother. So that she didn't abort. That uh, she'd be there for me. She'll take care of me. Whatever I want, she'd give to me. I thought she was lying. I still didn't believe her. She moved to my room. She told me to stop stripping. You know, so. She registered me for a Tinatown. You know, she bought baby things, like really expensive baby things. And I was, okay, this woman, are you sure? Maybe she was feeling bad about all the things she's done to me before. So I started to trust her again and believe her again. So, did the Antinatal, carried my baby for nine months. I gave birth to a boy. Finished giving birth to the boy. She didn't take my child. Let me keep the baby. Ha! I kept this baby. Everybody loved my baby because my baby felt like hope for a lot of them. And my baby was really fine. Everybody loved my baby. So. Kept my baby. She also was doting on the child. Everybody would go out for to strip. We did private strip teases. So we'll go out for private strip teases or go to sleep with somebody. Nobody ever came back without buying him something. Kept the baby. When he was almost getting to a year old, one day she just called me out of the blues and said that 
there's a client she needed to get money from on the island and that she trusts only me to collect the money i said okay because I, I really didn't think anything would go i wasn't my mind wasn't so i handed the baby over to one of our girls said, please babysit my baby for me i won't be long I was calling the man as I was going. He was picking my calls and talking with me. The moment I got to the island, this man's number was switched. <laughs> I called and called and called. When I was tired, I had waited almost an hour outside the estate. I called Madame. Madame said, Ah, sorry, don't mind him. He's a stupid man. She might have told the men are stupid. Don't you start coming home? I went back to the house. I was looking for my baby everywhere. I can see my baby. I, uh, well, maybe as one of the girls has taken him out and he has gone to play one hour, two hours, three hours. I didn't see my baby, you know. I went to the girl that I asked the baby's name, Why is my baby? One of them wanted to understand me. It's like, Please, I, I'm, I'm going to get really crazy. Where is my baby? Um, 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 and she just came, uh, Your baby has gone the way other babies go. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I was mad. I don't understand how you know other babies go how like you've not done that in how long are you you know you're joking like so did i really think that my own would be different that she let me keep a child that she just wanted to punish me she knew i wanted to run away my goodness oh yes that was so the best way to break me was by letting me keep oh, the baby oh my goodness let me keep the baby and bonding with my baby Oh and they're taking God it from God. me. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And oh my goodness. I remember blinking, oh I remember sleeping and waking up and not knowing what time of day it was. And I remember not being able to eat, not being able to bathe, not being able to put on clothes. I remember at some point being paralyzed, not being able to stand up from my bed. You know, so. I was, I was dead. I was living, but I was dead. Yeah, I felt like somebody had cut me open and like literally, practically taken out my heart. <laughs> I can't explain. I felt a kind of sorrow that. Oh Jesus! I felt a kind of sorrow that I can't even attempt to describe now. Oh so. Yeah, I was like that for a while. Then I think I was like that for a few weeks, a month. I don't know. I like time passed and I did not know how it passed. You know, each day felt like the last one before it, and I was just, I wasn't feeling. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I was dead. And. It was during this time I had a dream. Um, in this dream, I don't know um, some people that know me and know my story, who I've shared with, say it's, it was God's intervention and or it was a revelation or something. I don't know. So in this dream, I saw Ayo, and I thought, okay, oh, I'm already dead. Of course, I had died quite a while ago. So I saw her and she said, Me, beauty, what is wrong with you? You remember what I told you? You cannot die now. You know? Like, 
don't follow me go back like she was legit telling me to go back and i know i want to follow you i'm tired you have suffered so much let me just go and no you can't go now i said go back you know and so she just left me there so i was really confused for a while and just then i found my way back i, I was coming back and looking down on my body I, I don't know i don't know how to explain it feels awkward when i'm talking about it because i remember i was coming back like i was walking but it wasn't me because i was looking at myself mm. you know and i was walking towards myself laying down mm. you know mm. <laughs> it was i don't know how to explain mm. i still don't know what it was mm. you know and i practically entered my body back, back. yes yeah, so and from that day i just told myself you know what this is it. I'm done. Dusted. I'm leaving this place. I was dead already, so of course, she last thing she would have done, okay, she'll kill me. But I preferred at that point to die outside, that within those walls. Mm. I just kept telling myself, you know what, beauty, you're going to escape. You're going to leave this place. And you're going to show all these girls that somebody can live and not die. So, because. Every other person that tried to leave, I watched some people get drowned at the beach. You know, not watch, watch, but we could hear them scream, and it was so clear she was the one that did it. You know, some just disappeared, and we don't know how they went. Of course, we all knew if you disappeared like that, you were dead. So, some, um, there was a case where this guy came and promised us a trouble free life, told us to send us a bird. The older girls tried to escape. And then they went there to Dubai, and they used them, um, um, used them so much. They would sleep with them, get them pregnant, do the abortion on them by themselves, do surgeries on them, take some parts of their bodies, take some organs, and or only one of them survived and came back. And when she came back, Madame refused to accept her back. So everybody that tried to leave was, you know what? It's here or here. You know, there was no way out. Once you're in, sorry, you can get out. So I, I, I knew that at that point that I, I, you know what, I'm leaving. Even if I die, I'm dying outside. I'm not mm. going to die inside here. So mm. it was leave or leave. <laughs> so one day, mm. okay, so yeah, I started attending church at this point. Uh, I don't know her. Okay, I think it was Instagram. How I stumbled on my church, the church I still currently attend. It was Instagram. The church I still currently attend. And that was how my journey to salvation began. Yeah, it was on Instagram. I was just calling. Sorry, so what year was this? Uh, this was about say, two years ago. Two years ago. So you had just come out of this place. Yes. And they didn't pursue you or anything, they let you go. Hey, I wasn't out though. I was still in the house. We were still in the house. Yeah, it was this time when I decided church. it was leave or leave. Right. Yeah, so it was right. at that point. I was calling right. on Instagram one day, right. and I remember that such. I'm sorry, this is such a stupid thing to do, but you just imagine that. I mean, to, to think of this darkness mm -hmm. and think that you had access to Instagram because Instagram is this place where everybody oh, curates their beautiful. So, it's just, it's just yeah, my mind. I'm just like, of course, you're part of the society, yes. <laughs> right, oh, right. So, you were also sharing pictures of yourself. Oh, of and people were envying you. Yes, and of oh, course, so we right. had cars that took us everywhere. And so, we're right. coming so out. You were not. You you were not a hide. You were not hidden. Of course, you could no, share I wasn't. Your life. I was sharing my life. I was posting was pictures, looking beautiful. You know, yeah. 
posting, posting with the latest cars. I'm living that life. I'm living life, and every girl wanted my life. Of course, but they couldn't see what was of going course. on inside. Awesome. It's not like our movement was restricted. We could go to see customers. But I, mean, new- I, go, I traveled to Italy and I traveled to South Africa. I traveled to where else did I go? I went to a couple of places. So it wasn't like my movement was restricted. But I was in bondage because I, I knew if I tried to run away, I was dead. If I tried to talk, I was dead. You know? So, of course, I was on Instagram. <laughs> so, when you were on Instagram, you saw this? Yeah, thing. just this such page where you see celebrated pictures yes. and all. So, I just saw this church. I, it was a worship thing they did. So, I just said, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's worship, eh? it's music now. Let me just go and get entertained and all. So there was this program they wanted to do. So I said, okay, let me just register. I was fighting with myself, register, do register, register, do register. <laughs> God. Yeah, I was fighting with myself. Like, is it not just another church? They will just use you and throw you away again. So I registered. I registered. They now said I should come and collect this. There was a registration pack. They said, I should come and collect it in their church. Oh, I don't want to go to church. They said, that was the only way I could collect I'm it. Connected. So that Sunday, I just bought that told by my dad. My dad, there's this customer, he's been owing me for some time. Let me just go and collect the money. At this point, of course, I was, I was older. I was an older girl. <laughs> I wasn't that young, naive girl that went in anymore. Yeah, I've been cooked. Uh, I'm 22 now. So, 20, yeah, 19. 1920, yeah. So, I've been cooked already. So, hey, I shall lie, warmed by way, thought I was going to see clients to collect money. I shall went, went to the church. It was strange. I gave my life to Christ that day. I've never seen people love a stranger the way I was loved that day it was beautiful and there was this girl beside me that kept pestering my leg <laughs> she's still my one of my closest friends to now she's one of my biggest support systems ever you know she just kept pestering me she had never seen me you come on I'm a stranger girl rest leave me I beg you know he said, talk to your neighbor and tell your neighbor you look beautiful. And she just turned to me, hey, you look beautiful. I love your outfit. I don't look beautiful. I do. Don't lie to me. That was why I told her legit. Because <laughs> I was so blunt. <laughs> so, and I, I didn't know how to filter my words. I just said things when it came to me. And God, I was one of the wrongest people you could talk to. Because I'd be like, fuck, 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 fuck. And you didn't want to hear me speak pigeon. <laughs> So, so I was really uncultured and unfiltered. So and she kept pestering me right after talking to her like that. I beg, I beg, babe, leave me alone. Do you know the part that really melted me? And they said, okay, now what we're doing is that something similar to what you do at uh, the Joy Congress. Right. Yeah, take your neighbor's hand and pray for your neighbor. Right. And speak words to your neighbor. So they did that. Really annoying girl that never met me from Adam and didn't know where I was coming from. I wasn't praying for her because my prayer was, Hey God, how you doing? <laughs> I'm tired of this place, I want to be right now. You know, sometimes I'll just take a seat and pull it out and 
God, how far today, man? I'm tired this so <laughs> I don't know what I want to say again. Your doubt, those are my kind of prayers. So I didn't quite know how to put prayers I wanted to pray in words. So and this troublesome girl was praying for me. I was so happy. She's like, Lord, this is my sister. Like she called me a sister. Like this is my sister. Be with her, guide her. I don't know what she's struggling with now, but please show her that you love her and that you have her in your heart. I will not forget ever. And I started crying. <laughs> I started crying and she was done with the prayer. She embraced me. And you know, I gave my life to Christ. She was looking out for me. She wasn't even a worker. That was the part that shocked me the most. She was just a regular member. Yo, she just. Even if I never wanted to go to church again, because of her, I went back, you know. So there's, I, I don't think anybody can ever encounter love in, in the in a stress form and turn away. Because love is such a powerful, powerful thing. If she hadn't prayed for me like that, because, and I could tell it was from a place of love, because she didn't know me. But if you love somebody and you're putting them before God, um, even if that person hasn't told you what their problems are, because you're feeling for that person. So you can literally feel, even if you don't know 100%, you can literally feel that they are struggling. So I, I, that was what she did for me. And it was really deep for me. It's still deep for me. So maybe this why I'm this happy, bubbly person today because I encountered so much love. Yeah, she was in the pastor. But funny enough, she ministered to me more than the pastor. <laughs> you know, so. I gave my life to Christ that day. Then I started sneaking to go more often. Sneak, 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 sneak. The madam started noticing something was wrong. So I knew she was planning to punish me. I knew she was planning to punish me. My heart kept telling me this man will punish you very soon. Because like I said, of course, Wednesday I'll sneak. I'll get seen late. I'll tell her it's in clients. She'll phone all the clients she knows. Her, ah, your girl wasn't with me today. One even vexed and called her one day. So one day she punished me, of course. Normal punishment. Six, seven guys have their way with you. That's normal, regular punishment. But of course, I was used to it already. Well, punished me. That day, I called my pastor's wife in the midnight crying. I said, you know what? I just want out. I don't want to stay anymore. <laughs> and I was surprised. Like, it was really midnight. And she picked my call. And she was really there for me and consoling and encouraging me and all. So that, that also touched me in the heart. So I felt like for the first time, I really had, well, not family because, of course, I still, family still scared the shit out of me. But I, I felt like I had a last friend I could relate with and trust with my emotions. Because up until this time, I'd been bottling all the things I was feeling, and I didn't quite know how to express that. So, yeah, so that's how my journey began. So, called me. So, the very, the very next day, she asked me to come to the church office. And so, I just carried my backpack. And what was inside? I can't remember the content. I think uh, I didn't carry clothes. It was just my backpack and the shirt I was wearing and the clothes I was wearing and the hair on my head. And that was, I never went back. So, yeah, I just never went back. I knew she was going to come after me. I knew she was going to try to kill me. But I wanted to die outside. I didn't want to die inside mm. that place. Yes, I wanted to die outside. My 
I, I, I knew I knew like I didn't even have any faith I didn't know what faith was so I didn't have any faith that I was going to survive and live this long I had no idea I'd live this long matter of fact that, talking about two years ago. Yeah, so, yeah no, no, it was die or die, you know. So I said, you know what? I want to die outside. I'm tired. Come on, <laughs> I don't want to die here. I wanted to die outside. I wish I was going to come after me, but this Max here, maybe they were just write in the news that a girl was hit by a fast-moving vehicle because that's how one of my friends died. That she was hit by a fast-moving vehicle, but it was one of our vehicles. So. Yeah, maybe a girl was hit by a fast moving vehicle, or ah, this girl just disappeared and she didn't be here. But at least I was going to die outside. So, <laughs> so that was how I left her. The truth, she came after me, went to my family, told them I stole a large sum of her money and ran away. You know, then she she started calling me and threatening me, threatening me so much. Up until this point, I didn't know they were taking. Pictures and videos of every time we danced, new pictures and videos. So it was after I left. Tell me, you know what? All those pictures and videos within 24 hours, if you don't come back, will be everywhere online and everybody would see you naked. Uh, is it not nakedness? What's it now? <laughs> she, I, I think she posted one. Uh, it didn't fly. Come on, people see naked bodies every day, and of course I was. She, like, she posted one. Oh, she posted one, and I was white. Thank God, <laughs> I was really white. Now, but we're bleaching, of course. Mm. So I was really white. So of course, nobody recognized me now. <laughs> Thank God for that. Well, it was. I was scared at that point because I didn't want my naked pictures everywhere. Yeah. But at some point, I just. I beg, I'm going to die outside. You know what? I'm not coming back. Even if I'm going to die, even if people are going to church me, at least I'm outside. Mm. That was just what was motivating me. I wanted to die outside. Mm. So, my pastor, they were awesome. Mm. They were awesome. They stood with me and stood by me. She started training me everywhere at some point. When I got out, there, there was this um, group of girls, girls, they were much older. Um, we, had, we had a woman doing us in her 40s. They were much older, but they didn't have any madam controlling them. So, I stayed with them when I escaped for a while. So, I stayed with them. Then she tracked me there after going to my parents' town and my wedding with the huge sum of that money. Then I think at some point she had some police officers to kill for me. Uh, at some point, it was sure one will highlight another. Uh, my own was, I shall want to die outside. Yeah, you should come and find me, kill me, no problem about that outside. So at some point, I think she started trying to track me. I When I ran away from those girls' house, because she went there, one of the girls now called me and told me not to try to even come back to the house. So from there, I, I didn't even live with anything. And of course, I started buying little, little clothes and everything. So I dumped that again, left again. So my my pastor took me into their house. So I started staying with them. It was really uncomfortable because, of course, I wasn't used to living the holy life. And these were pastors. So I had to start trying not to say certain words. I don't know, I really felt like saying them. And of course, how do you wake up in my entire pastor? You know what, pastor, today Kanji is catching me. Do you know what Kanji is? <laughs> <laughs> so, I. I I mean, for I, those who, who don't understand the context, kanji is Nigerian slang for being sexually aroused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had so many issues like that. You, you know, I'd go to church and people were, oh, bless you, bless you, sister, bless you. And I'd be like, and then what the fuck are you people doing? So my language was really offensive. I didn't know how to act around them. You know, 
um, they were they wanted to be responsible for me. At some point, when my madam tried to track me to their house, they had to send me to Benin Republic. So they really loved me, but I didn't know how to return that love. Mm -hmm. So I was making so many mistakes, and I didn't know how to tell. Oh, how do you tell your pastor? Ah, pastor, it's like today. This man, I slept with him. <laughs> he just touched me, and I felt yeah. I, I didn't know how to just put all those things into words and tell them. So I felt like I was constantly betraying them. Like I, I wasn't worthy of their love. Like I didn't deserve what they were giving to me. I felt dirty. I felt like my madam was right because she told me you would never be able to fit in outside. This is the only place where you'd be accepted the way you are. So, and I felt like she was right and there were times when I really wanted to go back because she always bought us designer clothes and the best makeup and the most expensive bags and shoes and everything and everybody wanted my life so I came from this girl whose life everybody wanted to this girl that had to delete her social media handles because I literally died deleted my social media handles and you know of course social media is like a big thing I was so addicted at that point deleted it, broke my seal into two, that was like the, everybody I'd ever known that I could call within two minutes and money would be wired into my account, broke the SIM card, so I had no number to call, so, and I had no money, so it was like being born into the world again, and not knowing quite how to live in it, and then it was, it's like a baby just comes into the world and then the mother dies right after. That was how I felt. I was just stumbling and trying to find my way through. And I made so many mistakes. Sex was such a big thing for me because I was, I think it was when I came out I realized I was addicted to sex. Ah, of course, I didn't know how to tell my pastor. Pastor is like, I'm addicted to sex. <laughs> so I just coded it in everything. So, you know, I was in Benin Republic for quite a while. Because she was really looking for me. She tried to kill me. So, I was there for quite a while. She even told me when she was telling me that. She said, yes, to see after me and tell them that. <laughs> of all the people that scammed with her. Because we scammed people too. We scammed a lot of people. Yeah. You know. I mean, like, yeah, she'll tell me that ah, this guy, he has some money, he's expecting a millionaire, two million. How do we get this money out of this guy? Guys are not wanted. She always told us guys were useless and very wanted. So, apparently, and this is not to humanize her in any way, but she was dealing with her own trauma, it appears. I think so. Because there was a time she told us that Christians are the reason why she is the way she is. Yeah. Yes. So. Apparently she had a husband that did not stay mm. and she has a son that lives abroad. So she, she she's also quite dysfunctional. And that doesn't mean she's a monster. That doesn't excuse any of that. But so, apparently there's 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 her own backstory. Yeah, I think so. I I never really I, come on, I have a backstory. I'm not a monster. Well true, I mean yes. I mean no I mean but but what I mean again, yes. It makes sense not to dehumanize people but i mean so we all have bad stories but then I, I, and you're right and I, I i mean i struggle with this part of me that is still judgmental i guess but after all you've told me about this person it's very difficult to think about this person in, in human terms it's very difficult to think about any of these characters in human terms and the amazing thing is as it is now i have no grudges against that i can sense that i can sense that so much peace in me that I don't even understand it sometimes myself. 
um, a couple of people um, right now virtually all my friends are older people because people of my age we I almost find myself having nothing to talk about with them so older people much older married people you know now a couple of them told me you know what you you talk like 22 with 80 years experience. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so now, now it makes sense to me. Okay. Last time at the at the at the the personal thing I took mm-hmm. the Jesus Club. And I just thought, wow, this now it makes sense to me. Because your your in your perspectives are hard won. You didn't you didn't receive it from anybody. You you had to fight for it. So while in the Republic, made so many mistakes. Of course, having sex for money was the only life I knew. Mm. So of course, I was having sex for money because that was the only way I knew for a long time. Yeah, sure. You don't just wait. And I was, I was a heavy alcoholic. Mm. It was a part I didn't even tell my pastors because I felt okay. This was they already know I was a prostitute and I was a stripper. So if I tell them this one, it would just be too much. They just give up on me. <laughs> I was a heavy alcoholic and I was smoking. I experimented with different things, weed, mm. everything. I tried cocaine, but it almost made me mad. So I couldn't do it. That's the only reason why I didn't do cocaine. You know. So I experimented with everything. Codeine. I'll buy four bottles of codeine and finish it in the sitting. So I was that girl. So I was still doing all of these things, but I was born again. And I was praying to God and it was answering me. So that was when I got to realize that, you know what, this thing called grace. God is not telling you, if you want to be my child, drop all your problems and then come to me. Say, no, come unto me, all you that are heaven laden. And I will give you rest. So, but lots of christians today and lots of preachers make it seem like mm-hmm. you know what to come to god you have to, you have to be holy you know and be righteous mm-hmm. and that was something i struggled with yes. because i wanted to be holy for my pastors mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i felt like they had invested so much in me and i was disappointing them by not being holy yeah. so you know what i began to pretend so i was in when I was public, then they told me to come and visit them in Lagos. So I feel like at least I have some family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I came to visit in Lagos. And I was so holy and I looked so changed. And they were legit like, okay, ah, this girl, she's different, she's different, she's different. Mm-hmm. Is it like I was pretending? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so I'm at the point where they found out that I had been lying to them. Mm-hmm. All the times I've been trying not to disappoint them and I thought I was protecting them. Mm-hmm. And they realized that they lying. Mm. Disappointments on faces broke my heart, and I left for the last time. And I just knew I wasn't going back to their house. Yeah, Mm. good. We still talk. They're my pastors. I love them. Mm. But that environment—it was a good environment, but it wasn't one where I could grow. Yeah, of course. It wasn't. It was one that choked me. Yeah, it was. It's a pressure. Yeah, the pressure to just be holy. Mm. You know, when I was feeling holy, and you know, when I was struggling, and not, I had to be holy. Mm. You know, so I had to leave. I moved out, and between all the stumbling and getting up today and falling back tomorrow, I don't know. I cannot say the exact point at which I stopped drinking, mm. and I cannot say the exact point at which I stopped smoking weed. Mm. I cannot say the exact point at which I stopped taking codeine. You know, I cannot say the exact point where I stopped. I stopped. I stopped. It's so precious to me. I, I just look at myself like, 
I'm sitting with alcoholics, mm. right? Mm. And I don't have the craving. So guess what? It was a gradual thing for mm. me. Mm. People are different. For some people, it might happen immediately. Mm. But I, I, I've come to this realization that God works with me in a unique way, in a different way. You know, it doesn't mean I'm any less his daughter than somebody that's had a good all her life. So, yeah, so that's something I've realized. And that he loves me. Whether I make mistakes or not, he loves me. If I'm good today, he loves me. If I'm bad today, I can still come to him and say, you know what, God, I've been bad today. I don't like it by something I'm struggling with. So help me. And he still loves me. Right. So the way that you found a way to recreate your life and to find peace and joy was just to surrender to this this love this faith for mm-hmm. god so, and it wasn't just that though mm-hmm. it wasn't just that what else when the devil wants to destroy you and when challenges are coming lots of times they'll come to people mm-hmm. and when healing also is about to begin mm-hmm. Lots of times, God surrounded me with such a strong support right. this time. So this love was abstract. This love was in relationship and community. With yes, exactly. I wasn't like on my, if I was on my own, I would have lost it. Yeah. I would have just gone mad because I had always that's, been. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because everything that, that makes a lot of sense. It's true, people. Because now I have an adopted family. I love me to pieces. I don't miss my parents. I send them money. Oh, I'm only good to them for money. I need to ask you about your parents. So even till now, you're only still good to them for money. Oh, yes. Though I've, I've managed to gather my siblings together. Right. Also, you've done that. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was the most important thing. You guys are building a relationship slowly. Yes, slowly. It's slowly. really slow. It has to be slow. And you know, my sister, I got to realize recently that for a long time she thought I hated her. Because mm. I kept trying to send her away from the house. She mm. did not realize I was but trying to protect, protect her. her. You know? But what was the thing? And of course, this might be. But I just, I just think of it. So when your father gave you to, because you know this podcast, I had, I did, I just realized that it's supposed to be a forty-five minutes podcast, and we're going for oh, nineteen minutes. Oh and so this has to be two episodes because okay. it is so important. But when he gave your mother just two fifty, was it because he didn't have money? He had money, of course. So he did have. He could afford it. Oh, of course, so he was giving money in church. Like if they said somebody come and give fifty k in church, he would want to be one of the first people to stand up. So what up. was it about this? Do you have any idea what it was? Because that's where the foundation of all of this started. Like the family that was supposed to protect you. Do you have any idea what what was it? Honestly, I, I knew that at some point my uncles had issues with the fact that he married. A woman that wasn't his tribe. They wanted him to marry one evil woman, and so I, I knew I knew he blamed my mother for some things that weren't going to right in his so life. So he just became this bitter person. Maybe. Maybe don't you don't know. I mean, it's not because he's not even he's not even apolo- he hasn't apologized to me. Yes, I can He's not that. sorry. I, I mean, I went, to, I went to visit, my sister was ill, she doesn't stay there often, she goes mm. to visit and she leaves because I don't want her to, I still want her to have some semblance of a family relationship. Mm. Yeah, so I told my mother, you know what, I'm going to send you money, but please be good to my siblings. Mm. <laughs> so I send them money all the time, you know. 
So, so you say so he's so he you see him. Sorry, my sister so. was ill the other day and I said, okay, go to the house, I'll meet you there. So I went to the house and he wanted to if I wasn't bigger and stronger, he wanted to force himself on me. What are you talking about? Yes. If I wasn't bigger and more mature and stronger, I've only gone through all these things that made me talk. What are you talking about? Like this fan, he's a pastor, your dad. Oh yes. Who allowed who he still wanted to do this now. Yes. He wanted to. And so I know just he's a police officer too. He's like a law oh, enforcement officer. And your mother is still with him. Of course, my mother is still with him. And, with, still and she hasn't apologized or anything. Um, well, it was uh, when we argue, like I told you. I mean, not that it's important because you found yeah. you found, but I just I'm just. Well, it was. Do you know how I even knew she knew? Mm -hmm. yes, you, yeah. I can't remember what she did to me. Yeah, we were talking and arguing. She said, "Eh, eh, go and loud it now. Your father raped you, so you know." <laughs> so your mother said this. Yeah, she said. Just. She just said it, and immediately she just like covered her mouth, like, "Okay, I've said too much." But she had said it already, and so that was even how I realized she knew. And she's still not. Hey, she, she, she's not. She's. Uh, I don't think she's bad. I, I'm. I still try to make excuses for her. I think it's the kind of society she was born in, mm. where your marriage was literally was, your life. Yeah, I get that. You know. I get that. I get that. So essentially, to find your, to, to build your own resilience and your happiness and all of that, you've had to do it, you've had to take responsibility because you know, people often say, well, they want the person that offended them to apologize and they can start the healing process, but you figured out that if you waited for these people, you would, so you, you took mm -hmm. you took charge of mm -hmm. your own healing. Like there's this thing people say about closure, getting yeah. closure and yeah. that's bow the dash, and bow the dash. If you wait for closure, you might find yourself waiting forever. Forever. Yes. How my closure came <laughs> was funny. I love my father and I love my mother. You love them? Yes, I love them. It wasn't forced on me. It wasn't because of something some pastor said. I tried to kill my father. Oh, I did not just you. I tried to kill him. I literally took a knife because he had threatened me with a knife once. I think it was right after when I went home and tried for some stuff for me again. At this point, I was already healed. I was born again. I tried to kill him. And she was the only thing that stopped me. He was sleeping. I could have killed him. And, and I just pretended and he committed suicide or something. Because I had every right to. He had broken me. I did not have a childhood because of this man. But I just looked at him. I looked at him. That's that. He's sleeping like a normal human being. This is how I sleep. Like a normal human being. So he's so defenseless, like you know what I mean. What's the pie having him? Fear control. This man is actually more interesting than him. And I woke him up. Look at me, I'm holding the knife. I can kill you right now. And nothing will happen. Last time I was telling him to say, but the only reason why we kill you is because I'm not like you. But kill you right now, both of us, we are monsters. We're on the same pedestal, we're on the same route. You know. Going to wear my conscience, even if I don't want it to. I'm not going to kill you because I'm not you and I cannot be like you. I'm not your daughter in that way. You gave birth to me, you know. Yes, nobody's disputing that. But I'm not really your daughter, mm -hmm. you know. I don't have this thing you have that makes you hurt people without mm -hmm. thinking of what effects it has on them in the long run. 
and that was what stopped me because so I realized you didn't want to that be here. yes because I am not that person I think it's important to for you to come to a realization of who you truly are and know that yes everybody has broken you people have hurt you situations have hurt you circumstances have hurt you but you are not the person that those circumstances try to make you into being you know you are your own person with your own unique talent, with your own unique purpose, which you have to fulfill, irrespective of the things that have happened to you. So, I, what I did was, all the pain I was feeling, I turned them into a reason why I must succeed. Not just success, 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 like money or fame, and no. Tell me, you know what? I have gone through this. Hey, come on. Lots of girls might be going through this thing I'm going through. Hey, what can I do for them? Okay, I can't show my face. Like, what can I do? Okay. Social media. Uh, lots of people on social media. That's the same place that you found oh, yes. the church. Yes. Oh, lots of people on social media. They are hurting. And lots of girls could be like me. They have this life all built up, and people think they're having it easy. And it's all right. Okay, what do I do? Hey, I actually don't hide my scars. Oh. This thing is not, it's, it hurts me before, but now something I can talk about it, even though I cry sometimes when I think about it, but I have healed. So, how about I show other people how I am healing bit by bit? How about I tell them about my process, about how I'm finding peace, you know? And what I literally did was I just turned my pain into purpose. Just tell myself all this pain I've gone through. Hey, I can prevent another person from going through all of this. I can be the reason why a mother would choose not to walk away from her daughter. I can be the reason why a daughter would speak up. I can be the reason why another person would hide their scars. And that's just the entire reason why I started. I don't hide my scars. So I don't hide my scars. I just started because I wanted to share. Somehow, it got out of my own control, and I realized it was God all along. <laughs> because now we are in the process of getting registered as an NGO, and what that will do is we'll be able to help more people. I already help a lot of people in my own skill as a person. Mm. We've done a couple of outreaches. We go to school to speak. Yes, so we've done a couple of outreaches. We've been to Marco Co. Where you know, some girls were being abused by their uncles, and we've been able to rescue them from there. We've had some girls from the north married 13 year old, married to an Alanji of 65, you know, and we were able to retrieve and rescue her. And so, my purpose it's big. I realized that all along, all of this pain I went through was preparing me for my purpose, you know. So, I found my why. When I found my why, somehow all of that pain didn't hurt me as much. Yes. So I'm reaching out to others, I'm helping others heal. And it's therapeutic for me because I'm healing as well. Absolutely. I'm healing as well. So we get married to another ninja so we can reach others on the larger scale. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so excited. People say I'm such a happy person. And it's true, I'm such a happy person. And I'm at this point in my life where I cannot even let any small thing happen on my journey. Mm -hmm. No. Nothing is worth your joy. No, I have come such a long way. You know, 
my joy is so important to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I told you that like, I'm stalking your joy today. Mm-hmm. My joy is so important to me. I, I am not going to trade you for anything in this world. Well, thank you. Thank you, beauty. This has been... Wow. <laughs> this has been... Thank you for sharing this story. Um, people can follow you on uh, at I don't hide my scars on Instagram. Yes. Um, but there's no your website is coming soon. But right now they can send. Website. It's a blog. Really. But yes, what's it called? Yeah, it's www.hide.idonthidemyscars.com. Yes. Yes. I think it's a beautiful name, and I don't hide my scars yeah. on Instagram. Um, I mean, I mean, me and you are staying close for a long time. So <laughs> I'm glad. I'm definitely glad. More of these conversations. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really my pleasure. Yeah. It's really my pleasure. Yeah. I love to share. Yeah. Um, in as much as I can do myself yet, because I want to go and study law, guidance, and counseling. Right. I have enough means to go to London this year. Fantastic. So when I do, I'm Fantastic. coming back stronger. Fantastic. I'm just developing myself and growing and being happy and yeah. I lost my friend recently and normally yeah, normally yeah. That. I was I was depressed for about a day or two. I, I just snapped that like what what what, what are you doing? Mm. Come on, nothing is what's your joy. Mm. You know. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. So um, this has been the Joy Podcast. My name is Chude Jitong. Um, see you next week.